Good afternoon and welcome to the Healthy Indoors Show. I'm your host, Bob Krell, publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine. Um, this is the start, signifies the start of a new season, our season four, uh, the fall season uh, 2020. I'm real excited with what we've got to offer for you today. We'll uh, be getting into uh, kind of a culmination of a lot of the things we've been speaking about the last several months uh, prior to our break, um, talking about indoor environmental conditions, making your indoor environments healthier, uh, safer, and some of the, just the trends that are, that are coming about based on some of our uh, situations in the world today, such as, such as the global uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and, you know, more recently, even wildfires, just a lot of stuff going on that really could be adverse, adversely affecting the uh, air in your indoor environments. So with us today, um, we've got a host of guys here. I do some intros. Um, joining us today will be uh, John Blomer, who's the Executive Advisor and Engineering, Engineering Fellow at April Air. Um, Dave Car Carlson, who is also uh, April Air's Marketing Director. And Joseph uh, Hillenmeyer, who is their new Construction Channel Manager. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. How are Hello. you? Good. So Hello. it's... So we're going to cover a lot of territory today, so I might as well jump right into it because 60 minutes is going to be tough to get through all of this. But I'm going to re start out with uh, uh, actually giving John the the lead here. Um, one of the one of the I think important areas, right, that we want to talk about are just some of the guidance that's out there in the industry. ASHRAE and CDC are you know constantly putting stuff out there. Um, there's been a series of uh, you know late uh, recommendations and guidance coming out in response to the pandemic. But, uh, you know, there's basically some, some, uh, some bottom line mechanical system issues that we probably need to be concerned about, right. For the indoor environment. So I'd like to let you run with some of your thoughts on this, John, tell us a little yeah. bit about that focus and what we should be looking at. Thanks, Bob. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, there's really three key aspects to indoor air quality and they're, you know, bringing in fresh air, Air, filtering your air and controlling the humidity in your home. Um, with things that are going on today, those really came flying to the top of the ladder. Uh, when we take, take things, uh, events like COVID, you know, ventilation was the one of the best things you could do. Ventilation and properly controlling your humidity. Uh, with the case of the wildfires, air cleaning is and filtering is one of the better things you could do. So the guidance from the organizations like CDC and ASHRAE through the COVID event has really been ventilate, ventilate, ventilate. Turn it on, run as much as you can, run your air cleaners, uh, and control your humidity. So those are the best things you can be doing. And but but I'm I'm assuming that you know where you're going with this is not necessarily one size fits all here, right? As far as uh, you know there's, there's going to be different approaches to addressing different situations, correct? There absolutely there is. I mean, you know, in, in normal times doing these things, uh, just promote good, healthy air. Uh, in the case of, you know, something like COVID turning on ventilation so that it runs, you know, as much as possible as full time brings in as much fresh air as you can. And the flip to that is out West with the wildfires, you may want to shut ventilation down, and run your air cleaner full time inside your home. Um, and, and when I say air cleaner, I'm talking about a MERV 13 or higher filtration on your, your system. Um, and, you know, and so there, it, it isn't one thing fits all and it's, it's 
creating systems that allow the homeowner to also interact with it. So let's just go back to the happy good times. You know, it's a beautiful fall day here in Madison, Wisconsin. It might be a homeowner may just want to turn on their ventilation to bring in some really good fresh air from outside, or, you know, they're having a party or, uh, you know, burnt the toast in their house. They can turn on ventilation and air cleaning to help remove odors in their home. So when we think about these systems, we need them to be dynamic and not static. And we need to allow the homeowner to interact with them a little bit and, you know, remind the homeowner to where to set them when they're done interacting or turn them back on in the case of, if you shut off your ventilation out in California in a couple of days, make sure you turn it back on. So, so you're, you're basically one of the engineering gurus at uh, April air. And uh, you know, so I'm assuming they're leaning on, on you on a, on a lot of a uh, lot of current topics, right. And, you know, has, has your organization's uh, focus on indoor air quality and IQ issues uh, changed uh, regarding the pandemic? Not at all. Not at all. We, we've always been promoting indoor air quality for our, you know, 50 year history as April air. Um, it, it just comes, it, it's, I was talking with some people at Lawrence Berkeley last week and um, who are in the same area. And, you know, it's something we've been talking about for our careers and all of a sudden it's front and center. Um, it's good, <laughs> but it's also bad. We really didn't want this. Um, so it's nothing new. It's just now the, I think the homeowners and the world has under, started to understand the importance of indoor quality, especially in our homes, where uh, when we go to build a home or we're looking at replacing our HVAC systems or upgrading them, you know, it's a conversation the homeowners now will want to have is, oh, I, I do want to have some indoor air quality in my house and what products are available. So it's, it's just helped the conversation a lot. So I think what's interesting is, um, you know, there seems to be obviously a heavy focus on ventilation now and, and being able to improve ventilation. But and, and that was one of the three pillars you were mentioning, the ventilation, the filtration and the humidity control. But from an, a ventilation standpoint, that's also not a one size fits all. Right. Because your ventilation strategy is, is somewhat dependent on your climate and, and time of year. Is, is that not true? Absolutely, absolutely true. I mean, if we if we take a, a and say there's a minimum ventilation rate, and I'll pick ASHRAE 62.2 as the pretty much the industry accepted minimum ventilation rate. Um, there's different ways to bring in that that fresh air, um, but there's also that's a minimum. So there, there the ability for a homeowner to say, uh, "I'd like a little bit more than minimum," is good. And then just giving that homeowner guidance, because when they're bringing in fresh air from, you know, in the, in the Southeast, when it's hot and humid, we need to remove that humidity from the house. Uh, when they're bringing in, you know, fresh air from the uh, cold North during the winter, we need to humidify that house, that air a little bit. So there's, it's, it's something that we're, we're really good at is trying to help the homeowner through those decisions. Um, we call it engineered simplicity that because, I, my my phrase is I'll never teach my my mother about humidity, um, and uh, how do we help the homeowner make those decisions of comfort and energy savings and health? Right, it's a it's a balance of three pillars. Yeah, and and that's I think that's a challenge for all of us, you know, in the industry, right? To to actually try to come up with uh, workable approaches that we can, uh, you know, that that can get 
disseminated down to the consumer level where they have an understanding of, you know, what they're getting into. Um, now you, you mentioned filtration, obviously that was your second, your second uh, point. And, uh, you know, you've been referencing MERV 13 filters. Let, let's talk a little bit more about filtration in, uh, in, how you know how can that be a consideration and are are there not indeed limitations though you know with some existing mechanical equipment especially in you know residential systems uh you know of what what degree of filtration they can actually put in those systems from the pressure drops and whatnot yeah i mean if you think of filtration as i always try to do it as a sponge if i have a big sponge i can absorb more things quicker if i have a small sponge it's harder to absorb things so if you take your typical one-inch filter that you know is in most homes as a minimum filter, they may have limitations as they try to increase their their MERV rate, um, and it really depends upon the whole system design and how it was put together. I mean, there's a lot of variables in there, so it's a general statement. But as they increase the filter depth, you know, like our filters are four inches deep, the pressure drops are actually lower on those. And we can get, we can put MERV 16 level filtration in systems at lower pressure drop than a one inch filter or MERV 8 by just making the sponge bigger. Um, it's not a lot of added cost uh, to do this, um, it, but it, it can be a little difficult because you might have to move some ductwork, but at a, at a change out, it's a fairly simple thing to do. Um, to do it as a phone call to walk in and change out, it could be a little difficult to change it. Um, but yeah, if you're going to stay with the filter type, and most homes have that one-inch filter, there are limitations to where they might cause some problems with their HVAC system. Well, yeah, because it, it means it's, it's function of surface area, right? And so you yep. you can only get so if you have so much depth, you can only stick so much media folded up as an accordion in there. So correct, you, know, you got it. But, but yeah, but I think those modifications make sense that you mentioned because, again, going forward, uh, I just don't see us continuing having uh, homeowners uh, just use those one inch, you know, fiberglass filters that you can look through and see, you know, see the person on the other side of it. I just can't see an awful lot of value in those. You know, they stop leaves and maybe like kitty hairballs from getting into the fan, but that's about it. Yeah. It, it, and I think as an industry, we're changing. We're starting to recognize that, um, you know, that one inch filter was originally put in there to protect the equipment more than anything. Right. Uh, and like you said, to stop the cat from being able to walk through and get caught in the fan. Um, but we're, we're starting to change in, as an industry and, and people are starting to ask for indoor quality and they're willing to have that conversation now. Uh, and that's what's exciting. Well, you know, an, another probably the biggest issue, John, also that we know with the one inch filters is that they're, they're just not changed often enough. And you're putting onus on the homeowner to go down there and maintain this equipment on a monthly basis or a bi-monthly basis as opposed to once or twice a year. Yeah, but that raises an interesting comment too. You know, it's like, how much can we anticipate that homeowners will actually uh, do it as far as service on their equipment? Well, and and that's, I, I'm guilty too. Okay. Yeah. I'm a guy who's been an IQ consultant for 34 years, a trainer, a publisher, you know, I've been doing this stuff all my life. And you know, it, it, it takes forever for me to get off my butt and go down and switch out my, uh, my Merv 13 filter yeah. to actually get well, around to doing it. <laughs> it. It's a, it's a very good point. Very good point. And again, it, it's a surface area thing. So the bigger the filter, the less frequent you have to change. Ours, we recommend changing once a year. So it's kind of like a, you know, a battery in your smoke detector again, which I'm not guilty of doing every year either. Uh, but it's an easier interval to remember versus every one month or two months or three months. Um, 
So it helps with that. And then you see products on the market, you know, and our products also do it, where we're trying to do electron, we're trying to notify customers. So through your app, it can easy, you can easily set up service reminders that pop up on a, a notification, say, hey, it's time, you know, go, go get your filter. So I think as an industry, that's, that's where we need to go is to help the consumer maintain, select, and use their equipment properly and help them make the decisions that they can balance energy use and health and ease of use. And, and that's, that's where we need to go as an industry. And you're, you're seeing the high, I mean, we, you know, the prevalence of more technology, right. In the, in the, uh, in many homes, you know, maybe as an opportunity to help handhold a little better by utilizing mm -hmm. the technology. Cause I think many people are, you know, they're intimidated by tech. You know, I'm, and the funny thing is like, I'm, the epitome of that. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here engineering a live video broadcast and doing all that, you know, and have all this high tech equipment, but I can't control my DVR on my television very well. You know, and I, and I think a lot of people fall into that. Yeah. It, and that, and that's it, the beauty of technology is it does allow us to start to enable those things. And the, the challenge is, is not to make it overly complex with the technology to make it little pop-ups, you know, to, but don't overwhelm people with the technology. Well, that, that, that's our challenge. So, I mean, one of the, the, the last point that you, you uh, brought at the start of uh, this uh, show today, you talked, you talked about humidity. And how's, how does that, uh, you know, the indoor humidity control factor into uh, things like virus transmission, which is, you know, a topic that I think is on, on the forefront of many people's minds. So is that, is that really a, a way that we can, uh, you know, help improve the uh, healthiness uh, of our indoor environments during this okay. pandemic? Absolutely. I mean, humidity, humidity from the beginning is very important. We're not built to live in the deserts uh, of the world, right? So we, we're, our bodies like to be in this 40 to 60% RH range. Um, but when we're, we're in that, to the virus specifically, when we sneeze, when we cough, when we, you know, we expel particles of moisture, and then the, in those particles are viruses. Um, and the big viruses fall to the floor and most of the viruses are, you know, quickly fall to the floor. That's kind of where that six foot rule is coming in. But the other part of the particles are small little ones, the point, the 2.5 micron word that we hear all hear about. And those tend to be more buoyant and float around the house. Well, if your humidity is too dry, the big particles evaporate, get smaller. And so they float more. Um, and so that's why you need to control that humidity is try to get, don't let those particles float around as, but get the big particles to the ground. Don't let the other particles float around as much. And then the particles that are floating around can be, you know, removed through ventilation and air cleaning. Um, and I guess there's, there's an import, important uh, point to, you know, to, to clarify here too, for people that are, that may not have picked up on that. The particle, the particles, when you're talking in terms, you're talking to droplet sizes, right? That are Correct. typically going to be like mucus particles that are flying around. Um, and, and as they potentially evaporate, they get smaller, but the viral, the viral materials, the part of the, the actual virus particles are quite small to begin yeah. with. Yeah, they're, they're, they're entrained they're in a big in droplet of liquid. You got it. There's lots of them in that little, in that droplet of fluid. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. The other thing with the, the humidity is, is that's also where our body's immune system and filtration system works the best because our mucous membranes are now moist. Uh, they do better by, for uh, uh, filtering particles and, and our bodies are healthier. So we have our, our 
natural immune systems work better in that 40 to 60% range. So it's, well, it's, com- it's comfort factor too. I mean, it, yes, humidity, humidity is makes you more comfortable at, it, you know, at lower temperatures and less humidity makes you comfortable at higher temperatures. Your house is more stable. Your wood floors don't crack. You don't get the static electricity. You get all everything that we've been saying for 40 or 50 years. Uh, but now the virus thing is at the top of that list. Excellent. Well, we're, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Talk uh, now about the consumer landscape. And, you know, what are some of the things that I think are popping up on the consumer side, uh, you know, as it relates to controlling your healthy indoor environments? Uh, you know, healthy home seems to be a term that's searching really wildly on Google in the past year or two. Um, you know, it's it, it, that that is not just it's not just that it's a Google keyword search. It's I think people are more concerned about that now. And w- perhaps even now during the pandemic, while we're spending more time in our, our home environments than ever before, uh, it could even be more important. So to that end, I'm, I'm going to uh, switch gears a little bit and go over to uh, Dave Carlson and uh, have him just talk a little bit about uh, what he's seen on consumer behavior and how maybe some of the, the messaging and branding and how what's ringing true with consumers right now, I guess. Sure. Thanks, Ben. You know, as the world continues to slowly reopen, and then reclose, you know, we're finding ourselves in spaces like grocery stores and restaurants and schools and office buildings, you know, recognizing that they're, they're not as health, healthy as we once thought. So um, there's been a surge in new studies and communication online and in print about this, you know, with Bloomberg, WHO, uh, or WHO, CDC, uh, I think John mentioned earlier, Columbia and Harvard Studies, ASHRAE, they're all talking about the overlooked basics that we have been talking about for 50 plus years is, you know, about the air that we breathe. So the ventilation, the filtration and humidity control, again, not to reiterate those three points, but they are the most important three things that you can consider when, when looking at your home. And, you know, with the amount of time that we're spending in our home, you know, you can see that reconstruction or, you know, home building, those, those homes are all surging because people are in their home, they're spending more time there. Now they're also looking at the air that they're breathing and understanding that it, they can make it a healthier environment for themselves and their families. So we're, as you mentioned, Google trends, you know, they're seeing a 150% increase in uh, the indoor air quality topics. So things like how do I make my indoor air quality better? You know, those things are just surging. You know, people are looking, they're, they're seeking education and trying to find that understanding of how they can improve their, their air. So um, we, you know, at April Air, we've been um, talking about this for a very long time. Our, our content is definitely, you know, built and directed at, you know, education. That's our goal is to educate people on the importance of healthy air. So now your, mar- your marketplace with your firm, you, you deal, um, you obviously deal with contractors and you deal with that, that wholesale market, but you also uh, deal directly to consumers. Is that true? That is true. Yes. So, uh, so how, how do you, uh, because the, the branding and, and, and addressing uh, information at consumer level is challenging. I know with Healthy Indoors, we do that too. We're, uh, we're a B2B and B2C publication simultaneously, which I was told eight years ago when we started the publication is impossible. And my defiant answer, not having been a publisher before was, ah, we could do that. Yeah. But it is a challenge, right? The messaging and, 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 and the key to be able to, to talk to both the sector that does the work and does the installation and sells the equipment and then talk to the end user consumers that use your equipment. 
Um, yeah, so how do you do that? How do you delineate? It, that is definitely a challenge, but you know, it's kind of like the, what John had mentioned earlier, talking, you know, taking it to that level that you could talk to your mom about it, you know, and, and I think everybody appreciates that. Now, when we speak, when we're talking to the consumer, the B2C, B2B side, or B2C side, I'm sorry, <laughs> when we're talking to the B2C side, we are trying to take that level of education down to where they can understand it. And to be the B side, we give them that level, but then reinforce it with, you know, the facts that go along behind that. Well, I mean, what's, what's triggering, I mean, what do you see? Cause you're on the marketing side for April or what, what do you see as consumers, uh, you know, what's triggering them right now? What are, what are they specifically looking for? Are there certain, you see some trends and anything that's going on here without divulging like uh, your, your marketing uh, sauce yeah. for your organization? Yeah. I mean, so again, wildfires has definitely, you know, sparked a lot of interest for air purifiers and air purification and what they can do. They're also even looking for plants that they can have in their home. You know, what plants bring better air quality to my house? Uh, ventilation is something that uh, since I've been here, you know, the first, I've only been with the company almost four years now. And the first few years, ventilation was not something that consumers were looking for at all. That's not even something that they spoke of. This year, it has become front and center and under the spotlight. So ventilation is, uh, you know, again, I think it is, it goes back to the education and understanding there. People are just seeking that information. They want to know what that, what, what does it mean? What, why, why am I not ventilating my home? I should be. So I, I'd say ventilation right now is the, the key topic that everybody's looking for. So, so, so on, on the commercial side or the business side, um, what are you seeing from the contractor side? Like, are, are they, you know, are, are they driven to do this? Because it, it seems like from my experience and having been a consultant and a, and a contractor in the industry for years, um, it, it seems like it's almost like dragging people with their feet dug in, you know, in, in the construction side to change how they do things. And at least that's been my experience over the years. They're, they're not, that's a group of people that are not readily looking for change. Yeah. And oftentimes they, they won't change, but when there's something like this, something that pushes us so fast. And so uh, in a direction that we have, we have no choice, you know, when healthy air was something that we've been talking about for years and it was difficult to get, you know, the B2B side to truly understand that they, they still wanted to talk comfort. And, you know, we have contractors that say it's, it's very difficult to, to be comfortable if you're not healthy. So, you know, they, they understood that healthy air message, but now, you know, COVID has pushed, uh, or, you know, anything that we have going on right now with the hurricanes, the wildfires, virus infection, COVID specifically has pushed us so fast forward into the digital age. You know, I mean, imagine doing uh, eight hours of video conference a day, you know, even two months ago, even four months ago, that was unheard of. Now totally. we're all accustomed to it and it's expected to be quite honest with you. So uh, I think all great changes take just one thing that pushes us into that. So healthy air is now very comfortable to say, and, you know, it's understood not to. I mean, there's clearly, the, the pandemic has clearly been a catalyst and, you know, certainly the emergence of wildfires in the past several years, right? I mean, we've had wildfires forever, but it seems like the last two to four years, they've been increasing in severity and number. So, um, yeah, so that's, I think that's a big deal. Um, Bob, you know, another uh, interesting point about, I just think on the, the stubbornness of the contractors or, you know, maybe how, how these new technologies eventually make it in. And as Dave said, you kind of takes this one event, you know, uh, I think when we were still offline, John mentioned Title 24, which was some legislation in California that was pushing for much stronger filtration, better ventilation. 
and uh, the stop gaps that they could come up with to avoid doing that from grandfathering and permits and everything were everywhere. Then you have these events where the consumer is asking for it. And then that's what eventually turns the tide on, on the trade to say, okay, now this is something I can incorporate, something I can offer that maybe didn't seem worth it before when the easier option was just to resist it. Once, once you've got the consumer asking for it, that's that's no longer the easy option. So sometimes even legislation is is not as powerful as just what the people buying and living in homes want. Consumer which, demand. Yeah, which I guess like that really tips it over to you, Joseph, as far as, uh, you know, that HVAC market. Are you seeing that, you know, in the recent events, right, you know, pandemic uh, and really the advent of even more severe uh, weather events and wildfires and that sort of thing, um, is that are you seeing builders and, and and contractors now embracing IAQ recommendations more? You know, is that are, yeah, are, and, they, and trying to communicate that as part of their messaging to their customers? Yeah, you know, and I, I think one thing that they're approaching us and and all IAQ manufacturers about is as much as the products is kind of the messaging and you know what what are the claims? What can we say as a builder that we can do for the health and the air in the home? Um, you know, and I, I think when you look at how. Uh, builders got on the IAQ path, it very much started out with energy efficiency. I mean, we, we built a tight home and, you know, it's funny, Dave, Dave mentioned how just a few years ago, you know, consumers didn't care about ventilation. They didn't, but you know who did was builders because to build a house to code, you had to have proper ventilation as, as you tightened it up. And uh, an interesting thing we've seen with them is they're finally, you know, they're understanding now that that ventilator they have in there is, is a marketable appliance. I, I mean, it's an asset in the home that it's, it's not just there because they needed to do it for code. Uh, it, it's providing a healthier uh, environment. So I, I think it started there, it just like it, that was sort of the first product that went into the home. That's the first one they've kind of gotten comfortable, you know, uh, explaining why it's there and what it's doing. It's bringing in that, in that fresh air. Um, and so there's certainly been a pickup this year as far as people trying to take, take these products and build this health message around them as opposed to just doing them because they've been, you know, mandated to in one way or another. And yeah, they're, they're talking about it more. Their, their sales teams are incorporating it into, you know, model home tours and things like that, where, you know, we used to guess that probably um, even in builders we worked with, you know, their sales team, if they understood it really well, maybe spent 30 seconds or a minute on IAQ. Mm -hmm. I assure you it, it's in some builders it that might be up to five minutes. So <laughs> there you go. Well, but that's a big thing. So, so you're, I mean, you're seeing that as a trend. You think nationally that there's more, more of a, um, a drive from, from the from the contractor and builder community to actually yeah. push this. Well, and I'm, I'm, we're seeing it more with the production builders too. More of them asking about it. You know, you've always had um, on the on the higher end homes. You know where that cost is more easily passed on. I think that was embraced a long time ago. There was actually an article today in uh, the LA Times about um, dirty air is everywhere in California, now healthy air is a luxury. And it, it shouldn't be. And I think builders understand that. You don't, you don't need to, you shouldn't have to pay to have healthy air in the home. And obviously no one's gonna sell a healthy option and an unhealthy option. So, you know, now that, now that the consumer like has the well. understanding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, would you like, would you like the, you know, we can give you this uh, unhealthy house at, at a, 20% uh, discount. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I suppose there's some people that would, that would maybe take them up on that, but it, it's always easier to just standardize um, on these, on these better solutions for indoor air quality. And I think they're understanding that now and they're seeing the other benefits too. You know, as we talked about with the HVAC trade um, you know, these larger filters do a better job of protecting the equipment. Uh, so there's warranty issues there that the builders can take advantage of. So I think we're seeing 
you know, the energy efficiency aspects, the smart home aspects, and just the wellness trends together kind of come in and then you add COVID and the wildfire to it. And, you know, we're just at the epicenter, I think, of builder understanding, consumer desire, um, you know, the, the trade guys being more willing to talk about it. So it's, you know, probably not going to get m much stronger than it is right now. I think it's just going to continue up. It's a really incredible time to, to be in this industry. And as John said, you know, we, we're certainly not happy about the reason why, uh, but it, it is great to see that message really getting out there and understood by more people. And, you know, the other thing about the builders is they generally, um, they understand it more at the level of the consumer because that's who they have to sell it to almost instantaneously. You know, with the contractor, we could spend a little bit more time on pressure drop and all of that. A builder doesn't care about that anymore and the consumer does, you know. I mean, do you see this as, so this trend, you know, I, maybe more focus on indoor environmental or healthy homes, is, is this going to, is this short, short term? Do you think uh, this is going to, if, if we get back to some semblance of uh, normalcy at the end of 2021 or whenever that time might be and whatever that might actually uh, look like, do, do you think this is something that will regress back or is this like, is this now a, you see this as a continuing trend? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. There was a few years ago at, I believe it was a tech home show that a gentleman from BDX spoke about the Kano model as it related to smart home, which is sort of where a product shifts from, you know, uh, luxury and new and exciting to standardized to have to have, you know, so basically, uh, you know, it's like uh, keyless entry on cars is one that's used, you know, for a while that was something you would pay extra for. And now you're not going to buy a car that doesn't have keyless entry. And I think smart home was the first home building trend that we kind of saw that in recently where, you know, at first it was, oh, hey, you know, this home has, you know, this smart technology and that smart technology. You're going to be hard pressed to find a new home now that, you know, probably uh, doesn't have a ring doorbell, right? I, I mean, those things just, they became very standard. They're things that we expect to see in a new home. It's one of the reasons you're buying a new home. And I think that healthy air is going to, I think it's, it's reached that point right now. And it's just going to continue there. It's, it's, uh, it's going to catch on because it's going to be less of an upgrade and more of a standardization as we move forward in the industry. Yeah, I, I, I think I, Joseph. Sorry, sorry, about I was, go was going to say I, I, I have a tendency. I just want to jump on something that Joseph said, and it finally rang true in my in my mind. I, I have a tendency, or I, at least I find myself lumping contractors and builders in the same mix and that's really raw right? <laughs> because this is totally that different mistake too <laughs> yeah, yeah right because i mean the contractor like you think in terms of mechanical contractors that are doing hvc um you know they're they have a certain perspective they're looking at the world from you know ma uh, you know manual j and manual d and you know in theory you know they're, they're looking at it in that way whereas the, the builder not so much right they're like they're more at ten thousand feet selling selling product yeah to and, consumers. And, you know it, and, and it kind of goes back to the b2b b2c conversation that you, that you guys had earlier and there's and, and i don't get me wrong there are people at every builder that do understand this stuff. I mean, you know, there are some building scientists there that know more about indoor air quality than, you know, uh, anyone you'd ever want to meet. They certainly understand their building envelope and, and how these uh, mechanicals impact that. But when you're, when you're at the level where you're trying to get these into the home as a marketable feature, you got to speak a language that the people that are selling those homes to the home buyer can understand. And I think that's, that's where we sort of saw the break is, you know, it's one thing to get the building science guy on board to understand that these products are important, but, you know, um, improving the design of the home isn't always necessarily the same as uh, improving the saleability of the home. So we've realized that to focus on that, you got to get that consumer message in there. You got to get that consumer understanding. You got to show them why it's important. You got to teach them how to educate the people that are going to buy their homes on it. And, uh, you know, that's where I think, uh, you know, the, the changes we've made to our consumer marketing and, and the, uh, 
you know, great growth we've seen there have really helped us in the home builder market as well. It's going, oh, yeah, you know, this is how we explain this mm-hmm. to people who aren't living this every day, who, who don't want to hear about Merv ratings, who just want to know that they're getting a healthier product. Well, what do you guys do, you know, collectively, what do you, what do you do as an organization to, you know, to uh, both, uh, you know, maybe modify or move products, you know, development forward to, you know, toward to, uh, to maybe enhance what, what you currently do and, and how, how do you, uh, how do you keep a pulse on, uh, this is really a multi-fold, multi-fold question here. So you're all going to get a chance to answer, you know, and how, how do you guys keep a pulse on that, you know, to monitor, you know, whether you're really following those trends and, you know, and, and what are going to be the things that resonate because you're clearly you're selling directly to consumers, but you sell, you sell to builders effectively and you sell to contractors. I mean, you sell, you sell to all sectors of the market at one level or another, correct? So you have to really be in tune with all the motivating factors at all those demographics. How do you do that? Who wants uh, to jump in with part I'll, of that? I'll, I'll, I'll take the first swing. Uh, it, it's a real, it's a real team approach. Um, you know, cause I'll spend a lot of time in the building science world. I'll spend time with the DOEs the DPAs and the CDCs of the world, understanding the technologies and what's coming on and with the builders and talking engineering lingo. Um, and then you start to hand it over to the people that are really skilled, like Dave and Joe, and they start to take my stuff and can boil it down into language the contractor understands and more importantly, the consumer. Uh, so it, it's a real team effort inside of April Air, how we do that. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it comes from the bottom, from the consumer back to us too. So. Has that been, but that's been accelerated now, right? With the pandemic to some extent, I mean, or as far as, I mean, does, does your message and your, and your branding have to be modified a, a bit or, I mean, or no, or, or do you, were you guys already there and this is just a great opportunity? <laughs> yeah, we actually were already there. We were taking this path. So, I mean, it, we're, our message that we've been trying to say for a long time, has just been highlighted. You know, we've been trying to make the invisible visible for a very long time and, this really did it. It's almost, you know, when you asked earlier, is this a trend that's going to go away or not? I'd equate this to water. You know, the idea of drinking dirty water is gone. Nobody is going to, no one's going to go back to that, you know, to, Hopefully. to, to the years, yes, <laughs> to the years where filtered water was, uh, you know, a luxury, if you will. So I think that, you know, the, the opportunity here is it's opened itself up. So people do see it now. And now we, our message is just being heard in a different light. Yeah. You know, I think another thing that uh, uh, is really cut, John talked about it being, it's a team effort internally, but I believe it's also become more of a team effort externally. We've realized how many other organizations, um, you know, have, uh, have their hand in the pot for healthy air. I mean, there's energy raiders, a large portion of what they do when they go into a no home is yes, they're looking for energy efficiency, but they also monitor a lot of the code compliance in there, and that includes ventilation. So getting those folks on board, understanding what a good product is to them, what they believe it needs to do, uh, you know, how do you make it easier for them to measure the airflow and the effectiveness of that product? You know, John mentioned the DOE. Uh, they're, you know, they're of course highly involved in all these things because there's, a, you know, there's a big connection between energy efficiency and IAQ that maybe a lot of people wouldn't think of, but it is there. So, you know getting information from all of those organizations to understand how these products work in every geography, every home, every application, and for all these different uh, departments and interests, I think is something that we're getting much better at. And we've got, you know, we got, we got people talking to, 
you know, all sorts of new trades all the time where it might be incorporated. So it's been a really exciting time. Well, you know, and it's interesting too, that, um, this, this is not a, it's not a new concept, right. But there, there always used to be this, uh, this paradigm, I think that at least for years, I've, you know, I've been in the IQ industry for longer than I'd like to admit, but, you know, even back like in the in the early '80s when I first started getting involved in it, there was always this thought of well, you can have energy efficiency or you can have good indoor air quality, and you have to it's it's a balance, right? You always have to you have to give up one for the other. I I, I just don't see it that way anymore. I don't think I don't think the consumers are going to accept that either. No, nobody wants to be an energy glutton, but on the other hand, they're worried about the healthy indoor environments. And are you seeing? I, I guess to all all three of you, the question is selling on on energy efficiency has never been that effective. I, I spent some time in building performance as well. And it always seemed like that was a hard sell. You know, it's, it's you know, what's your pay, you're trying to sell everything on payback. Yeah. I, I think um, anytime you have to do payback, it's a hard sell. It's hard. I mean, that, you know, it's that, a hard that upfront dollar, especially if you're looking at, you know, the incorporation of solar panels or something like that. Those are massive upfront costs. And extrapolating that over 30 years doesn't make it sound like any smaller of a cost <laughs> but see but then when you so but if you sell on on the on the premise of healthy homes better indoor environments that's a lot more abstract because there's very hard to quantify that in any at any level you know it's yeah. it, that's i'm not saying that it isn't possible but you know on a, on a one-to-one basis as a contractor or a builder to a consumer that's really hard to quantify that so it's more of a subjective thing it's more of a feeling mm-hmm. right so but it, but it's an emotional thing that is that not an easier trigger to get somebody to to move toward that than maybe that energy mindset. Yeah, I mean, I, I think telling someone you're going to protect them from potentially, you know, uh, pandemic level particles or wildfire smoke is is going to be a lot more um, effective than telling them that you know they're going to save three dollars a month on their on their energy bill or or something. I mean, there's definitely yeah. an aspect to it there, you know. And also, yeah, I think with energy, you know, what we've seen is that legislation's kind of gotten to the point where I, I mean, they're kind of having to offer a lot of those products anyway. I, I mean, consumer, they're already in the home, um, so you know that cost is probably being passed on. Whereas with health, this is um, you know this is a decision that the builder and the homeowner are making. So. Now, you're, uh, Dave, okay, John, I'll let you check that. Real, sure. real quick, sorry. Uh, That's you know, and, and the technology has changed. Um, you know, we do make filters that have lower pressure drop at MERV 16 than a one-inch filter. So that paradigm is gone. Um, we're, we have smarter controls. So ventilation is it just turn on a fan and let it run 24-7. It's let us adjust ventilation when it makes sense, right? So I think the paradigm is we've blown it apart and we're starting to go down the path of it's smarter, it's better. You don't have to give one up for the other. Well, I think that's critical. And the thing is, just from a terminology standpoint, you're talking about keywords. Um, the, somebody else in the industry I've spent some time with doing some uh, presentations and speaking with Peter Trost from Energy Circle it does, a, does a lot on the marketing side and keyword searching for, globally for the energy and the HVAC markets and the building performance markets. And uh, he's found that, the, you know, that the terms, you know, healthy home or healthy homes or, you know, those type terms have traditionally far uh, exceeded uh, performance versus indoor air quality or IAQ. I mean, I, I, so Dave, you'd mentioned that you're seeing indoor air quality being searched more and, and I have too, but I'm just, is that a term now that resonates with consumers? Because it didn't that well before. Yeah. IAQ or indoor air quality was not something that resonated. I think now it's more of a conversation point. They don't even realize that they're saying a term that we've talked about for years. It's they, they understand I'm, 
on in inside I'm working worried about my air how do I fix this quality so they're typing indoor air quality not realizing that it was an industry term so I think you know the understanding of it is that's what they're seeking right now so that you know like I said one of our our key tactics is really being that educator being the ones that are at the forefront there to provide them with that education yeah, I think sometimes we're jaded with that too. You know, I, my first company, uh, I, I still have it at IAQ Technologies. That's my consulting arm. And, um, you know, I came out with that name and, uh, you know, came up with the idea in 89 and had it in 90. And I just, I, I really believe that everybody knew what IAQ stood for. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's funny, this was, was maybe a year ago um, at just a, a gathering with people that were not industry. You know, I, cause that's the other thing. I spent so much time with industry people at all. Oh, yeah. Or, or even, you know, uh, commercial people. Um, and it was with my wife and some friends and they looked at me like I had three heads, like, what's that? And I'm like, you don't know what IAQ stands for. It's like, cause I said, you know, what's your, you know, your company's IAQ technologies. What do you do? I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't know what I do. <laughs> it's like, seriously. <laughs> so, I mean, I think as my, I guess my point was there were, there was a point behind that. Um, is that as much as we think we convey the information clearly, I think we we may maybe overestimate how people intake that. No, that's very true. I, yeah, so what do, what do you do? What do you do? Because the thing is, you need to monitor, right? You need to because I got my feedback, you know, from a group of people looking at me like I had two heads, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I would say it's like with any you know new acronym, you you talk about IAQ, and then just define it. You know, and try to define it for them. So we're talking about IAQ today. We're talking about ventilation, filtration, and humidity control. You know, so if we continue to do that, it will start to get picked up where people will understand, you know, what that means and how they can fix it. State, restate, and then tell them about what you just stated. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But I, th I think you have to. Sometimes yeah. it seems redundant, but it's like we may, we, and I think what happens is if you spend too much time in the industry with industry peers, you, right. You, you don't get a real world check on what people are actually understanding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I recall when I interviewed for April air, it was IAQ, IAQ, IAQ. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know? But you can't but, admit it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Within 30 minutes, I understood what it meant just because it was continued to be talked about it and then, you know, put two and two together. So, so, I mean, where, where does this all land you guys as far as going forward? You know, like here we are today, we're at, we're at the end of 2020, which has just been nothing pretty about this year on any level. And, uh, you know, if it continues with the wildfires and we're probably going to catch another hurricane or two before October closes out, uh, just the way things are going. Um, it seems like we're going to end the year with not much better than we started the year. So, so how, how does that look, you know, going forward where you guys sit in the industry, uh, you know, both from a product development and a marketing standpoint and, you know, how, how you see things going forward. You could take, uh, I'll at comment it. on in, in the home building industry. I've certainly seen um, a number of the trade shows and organizations or groups that we're involved with, um, are really elevated and they have for years, honestly. I mean, if, you, if you've been to the Energy Environmental Builders Association, EVO, ResNet, those organizations all spend more time every year talking about health, you know, as they mix it in with, with their energy message. I think moving forward, you're going to continue to see uh, the Net Zero program and some of these other high performance building programs spend much more time on the health benefits of it. You know, we, we've gotten these energy efficient net zero homes 
you know, let's focus on on the on the health side of that now to make sure that builders understand, as we talked about a few minutes ago, the, you don't have to choose one or the other. These are two things that are going to go hand in hand. And I think those organizations are really going to help us continue um, to make healthier standard, uh, you know, despite how long this pandemic carries on. I think we've all come to the realization that we've got to have better air in the home. I mean, I would say how about the fact that we've had, you know, a lot of the, the typical industry events, the face-to-face person events, the big, the, you know, the big scale shows have either been canceled or delayed or moved online or, you know, some combination thereof. Um, does that affect how, you know, how you get out there as a, as a manufacturer and a, and a provider of, uh, you know, products and, uh, it, like how you get to reach reach your your the professional side of your industry because you're you're not able to reach them at maybe a big expo right now because there isn't one necessarily. Yeah, you know, I, I, the one thing that's been um, almost kind of nice about it is it. I think the people you're talking to are a little bit different. Um, you know, you're meeting a lot more of them on some type of a webinar or format like this where they're clearly interested in sitting down and getting the 15 to 20 minutes of of information. And you know, we're lucky enough to be in a category that again, as we've been talking about this whole show is so elevated right now that they're particularly interested in, in learning more about IAQ. So I, I think it's been a great opportunity to, uh, you know, some of these people that maybe have a little bit more time on their hand, uh, you know, they're at home. Hey, I'm at my computer. I will, you know, I will sit in on this webinar and we, we've seen some record numbers on webinars. We've held other webinars we've been a part of, and they've been very technical. You know, and we've still had a large audience, I think, because they're really trying to wrap their head around this and figure out how they're going to incorporate it and how they're going to market it. Dave, are you saying, from a marketing standpoint, is that like, are you, do you see your, your company going, uh, doing more online type engagement? And I mean, we have to do it by necessity now, but I mean, as we go forward and, you know, presumably that we'll, you know, actually have more uh, live in-person events again, um, is that going to be a component going forward? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we started the transition into that anyways. We did start to try to put together, you know, a more inclusive training program that was online because right now we do, you know, a lot of our training was done in person. I would, I would put it at 60% of our training was done in person. So, um, you know, we are moving to a, a better program that allows us to have this digital online training for our, our uh, business side of the business. And then for our consumer side, you know, video is definitely going to become more and more important to us as it has been over the past few years. But again, I, I keep saying that this this particular pandemic has pushed us at least three years ahead, you know, three years further, faster. So um, digital and video is definitely a part of our, our program going forward. I mean, I've seen that from our perspective because we've been an online well, we do print, but we've also been, we started and our primary focus has been digital publication uh, since uh, 2013. Uh, I got involved with, uh, as of 2015, doing a lot of online training, you know, live, uh, uh, bi-directional, you know, like the, actually Zoom, when Zoom first started, we started using it as a training platform. So we've been using it for five years. Um, so, but it was, it was more of a battle, you know, like, I mean, I spent five, you know, five to seven years of trying to kind of you know encourage people to use online platforms and do you know do more of this type of thing and it seems like you're right i three years maybe five years acceleration in a couple of months or maybe in yeah, 30 well, days I mean, think about the users yeah. of zoom in general you know i mean they went from what you know a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand in overnight oh it was crazy 
Yeah. Well, and again, we've been using it since they came out, since they, those guys jumped from Cisco and actually built the platform. Yeah. Um, we were, when we first were starting online training, we looked at the different platforms available. And by far at that point, it was, you know, for what it could do with audio and the video quality, it was far better than everything else. It misses, Zoom doesn't have the same uh, nice tools around it for the scheduling tools and stuff that some of the other platforms have. But I, I always found that it had better digital and audio, uh, you know, digital video and audio, which to me is kind of the most important part. Uh, but it, it is interesting, right? That, you know, people never heard, you know, like, I would see when people get on classes a year ago, they would challenge, you know, be challenged trying to figure out how to log into a zoom meeting. Now that's like your grandmother knows how to do it. Yeah, pretty much. exactly. Yeah. I was actually talking to uh, my customer service team last night and we talked about bringing video even into the customer service calls. I feel like it's going to speed things up so much faster. If we can actually talk about the product and even bring it up and show it, you know, some things like those are some of the other things that we're trying to bring into the business too. Yeah, I mean, we're doing, we're, we've been doing live stream hybrid events with Healthy Indoors for a couple of years now, uh, predominantly the, the uh, IQ and Energy show that, uh, that takes place in Portland, Maine. Um, and that, um, that's gone fully virtual this year. So they're doing online trade shows. Have you guys had experience doing any virtual events like that and, be, you know, being on an online trade show? Because I see so many different tiers of what that can be. Like sometimes it's just awful, but I think it has the promise to be something really powerful. I agree. I think Joseph has one coming up this week. Yeah, we've we've actually got two coming up. Uh, I believe next week or the week after that. Eba's summit. I mentioned them earlier. Has has gone virtual this year. Um, that's one of those ones that I think is kind of a good fit for a virtual show because it's very education oriented. I mean, most of the show is is spent in in tracks. You know, obviously losing the network part of it, it is unfortunate, but they've come up with some ways. You know, um, I believe I think there's actually a virtual happy hour, you know, which as crazy as that sounds. A lot of people have been doing We've that. We've been doing those. I mean, yeah, that's so, yeah, that's it's not know, that hard. Yeah. I mean, it's um, uh, I think that's going to be really interesting. The tech home has one, too. That's one where, you know, traditionally it's been about smaller one on one meetings. Um, or again, a, you know, a small 20 minute kind of pitch. So, you know, this, we'll still be able to do that. I just have to do it virtually. I think, you know, the big question will be, uh, what does attendance look like at, at those events? You know, I, I think conveying the message and making the connections is more than possible. It'll, it'll just be if the people on the other end, um, show up. <laughs> I mean, it is a, ch it's a challenge. One thing that I see, um, you know, as, as a producer of events like this is the challenge is getting attendees to click into the virtual booths, which are effectively landing pages, right? Yeah. Whereas when you walk down the aisle of a show in an in-person show, you can see stuff. So, so the vendor by having, you know, aesthetically appealing stuff and flashing lights or whatever they do, you know, can draw your attention, but it's really hard when you got to force them to click a button to mm -hmm. see any of your wares. You yeah. Know? So you know, I mean, that's what's the, you, you know, you've got a 10 by 10 versus a 10 by 20 or a 10 by 30. What you're paying for right there is more aisle space. How does that, you know, how do you do that? In, in a non-live show. Uh, you, the floor plan, you just give them the bigger boxes at the top of the floor plan. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's like you kind of do, you know, but it, it's still, it, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. I mean, do you see, John, do you see like a lot of, uh, I mean, do, do you see changes on how we're going to look on things from the technical side and just how we're going to, uh, you know, disseminate that information, you know, out, out to both the contractor construction world and then beyond to the end user consumers? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really exciting time for indoor air quality, which no one knew what, what it meant a week ago, um, in that we're going to be designing products more and more for the consumer. I mean, we were we were in an age where we were designing for, I'll call it the contractor. 
we talked about MERVs and pressure drops and, you know, and it, it didn't matter if it was a metal box, square metal box, where now we're going to be designing products for consumers because they want it. And it's going to be what user interfaces do we give them? And they're going to want simple and easy. They don't want to complicate their lives. So it, it's going to be, it's going to change our product development a little bit in that we're going to be more focused right to the consumer. Uh, and, and the, the fun and exciting things that bring along with it when you're dealing with the consumer versus a contractor. So I think you're going to see some real exciting things in products in this area. It's not going to be your metal box anymore. I mean, do you deal? So here's a, here's a good question uh, just for clarification. Do, is your market uh, for your firm more uh, new construction or retrofit or is it kind of split? You know, it's kind yeah, of split. Are, yeah. 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 Sorry about that. Yep. So we're, we're getting toward the uh, the waning minutes of the show. So this is where uh, Joe Madosh, who would normally be here as my co-pilot um, and is out and about somewhere other than at the show today, um, would, would be asking the question of, uh, you know, we want to get some some closing thoughts. You know, so this is going to be your, your, your chance to uh, jump on board and, uh, you know, make that burning point that I didn't... Uh, lead you on for <laughs> um so i and in no particular order, since dave's at the top of my screen at least i'm, I'm gonna throw it at dave first and say you know give us your, give us your thoughts about where we are where we should be going you know just take yeah. a little run yeah so indoor air quality is here to stay the the idea of fresh air ventilation filtration and humidity control is that the third time i've said that today yeah <laughs> is not gonna go away. So it, it's an exciting time to be in this industry. It's an exciting time you know, to be alive. I mean, health is a trend that isn't going away either. I mean, think about all the devices on your, on your wrist. We talked about it before the show started, the device that goes in your skull. Um, it, you know, being able to improve people's lives with what we do is, it's empowering. I think it's a great time to be in this field. Excellent. John, you be, I'm not picking on you because you're you're one of the older guys here because we're probably the same age. Uh, but uh, you know, you you've you've been around for a while in the industry, and and I, and I mean that in all all uh, respect. Uh, you know, saying so you've had a chance to see how things have evolved. You know, having worked in the industry, uh, you know, through kind of the advent of indoor air quality and that whole term being coined, right? I mean, we we've, we've unfortunately been around for most of that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. It has evolved a bit, but have we evolved that much in the last 30 years that we started talking about IEQ? And, 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 and will we evolve faster as a result of where we are now? Over 30 years, no. Over the last three to four, yes. Uh, and I think we're on that curve going straight up now. It's, it's, it's going, like you guys were talking about earlier, it is a word that now the homeowner understands, the homeowner wants. Um, you know, it, it, for the first 35 years of those 40s, it was the geeks in the back room. Um, now it's it's forefront, and uh, it's exciting times. It, it's you know a career now that's paying off. They're saying this is what we've been talking about all along. So, uh, and the challenge will just be how do we make it easier, better, and more efficient for everyone involved in the whole home process. I mean, clearly, I think you know. 2020 has, you know, probably set itself up as a catalyst for 
maybe some change, you know, or an, op an opportunity for things to change faster, certainly. So Joseph, I'm going to let you do the wrap up shot here. Um, yeah. I, what are your I, thoughts go, going forward with it? I'll, I'll follow suit and say, I think it's going to be all positive. Um, you know, I, again, as I mentioned earlier, we had these, these sort of elements that all came together, energy efficiency, smart home technology, and just the health and wellness trends that already existed. And this has just pushed those, uh, you know, ever upward. I, I think it's going to be a, a fantastic year in 2021 to see these homes continue to be uh, built more healthy from the ground up to see more of that standardized on. I think the technology change that John talked about earlier is, is also integral. I mean, energy efficiency got us here. I think smart home is what took this stuff out of the mechanicals. It took it out of the basement. It took it out of a closet and it put it in people's hands so that they can interact with it. And, you know, uh, con consumers want to play with the things in their home <laughs> and this gives them a chance to do that. It gets, it allows them to feel like they're being proactive about their health using their HVAC system. So I, very excited about the year to come. Yeah, it should. It it does look like it has the uh, opportunity to do to make some substantive change pretty fast, which is pretty exciting. Um, you know, and I can say the same thing for me too. I've been I've been in the industry since mid '80s, and uh, it seems like this year, you know, for better or for worse, as things have started moving pretty fast, uh, which is good. So um, now now I'll do a shameless plug for Healthy Indoors Magazine. Um, this is. Um, Something that you should, if you don't currently get, first of all, it's, 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 it's very inexpensive. It's so inexpensive, it's free. Um, so that's like, what an easy sales pitch. So we are a monthly digital publication. We are soon to be releasing our quarterly digital global edition, which um, will be similar in a way to uh, our, uh, our flagship uh, USA edition of Healthy Indoors, but will be more uh, world-centric, covering articles from around the globe on uh, indoor environmental issues. Uh, you can get to all of our stuff and all of our assets, our articles, our, our uh, digital issues of the magazine, the Healthy Indoors show that you're watching, our audio podcast of the show, all at healthyindoors.com, real simple. Um, so we highly recommend if you haven't already done so, uh, get there and check it out. And you can also hit the subscribe button and you can sign up to get the magazine uh, e-blasted to you every month for free. The The good news about that is that um, we don't rent or uh, sell our email list. So uh, if you do give us, uh, you know, you, you will share your information with us. We won't share it with anyone else. So that's a good thing. Um, I hate spam. I really do. And I will not be part of that. That's one of the things, you know, vendors, vendors are always like uh, our advertisers, like, you know, can we rent your list? It's like, no, sorry. <laughs> we just don't do that. And, and, and a lot of publications do, you know, it's, it's just, Anyway, with that, I got to thank you guys so much. So John Blomer, uh, Dave Carlson, and Joseph uh, Hillenmeyer from April Air, thanks so very much for joining us today. This is a great conversation. I Actually, this went, this went quite well. I, th I thought we covered a lot of information. We could have went another hour easily. I mean, we just scraped the so surface. Too. Thank you very much, Ben. But, uh, you know, I, I do I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy days to do this. And um, I think it was very informative. And I uh, look forward to having you join us again sometime. So this was great. Thanks a lot, Bob. So, Thanks, Bob. So, so with that, um, it's yeah, it's that time, kids. Uh, so uh, for the Healthy Indoors Show and uh, Healthy Indoors Magazine, uh, I'm your host, Bob Krell. Uh, I will see you next Thursday, same bat time, same bat channel, 1 p.m. Eastern uh, here at HealthyIndoors.com.